Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me, as always, after a Falcons game is former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, not a win like last week. Not even close. No. Uh, no. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all, I mean, if it was like, you know, a loss to the Detroit Lions like this, I'm like, come on, guys, what are we doing? Like, you took all the excitement from last game and you just – you know, flush it down the toilet. But it is the AFC defending champions, even though they haven't been playing like the AFC defending champions all season, but they've been on a hot streak and they've been showing why they were at the Super Bowl last year. So losing to them and considering the injuries, it was disappointing to see the drop off from last week because you just thought maybe, just maybe, we might keep all that, you know, good mojo and upset some people, surprise some people. But, you know... I, I can't even be too down on the Falcons. It's just that we're not there. We're, we're, we're not there yet. Like there, there's a reason why people looked at our paper numbers and our paper players, uh, players on paper, and said they'll probably <laughs> win two games. They'll they'll probably win two games at, you know, at the highest. And wow, we outpaced that, but you know we we still don't have the talent of one of these top tier teams. But we're playing amazing with who we do have yeah yeah and I, I mean i think i don't think the falcons are you know to to use a pun directly um derived from a team in this game i don't think the falcons are paper tigers in any way shape or form like i think that their three and four record is kind of indicative and it could have they could be four and three yeah you know best case scenario they could be five and two if, if a couple of things break differently yep. but but by and large they're a three and four team and that feels about right and you know, just before I hit record, you were kind of talking a little bit about the um, seesaw nature of how we've responded to the last couple of games. Last week, it was this is a big statement win. The Falcons oh, yeah. are about to survive their toughest stretch and and not only survive, but it looks like they're thriving at the right time and all of that stuff. And then you come into this game and I personally, I felt fairly confident, probably more confident I than you have. I text you. I said, dude, they're playing Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow doesn't play. <laughs> this is this is not going to be a walk in the park. Like it's going to be a uh, an L by all accounts. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean it it definitely was, and we're going to get to Joe Burrow in in one second. But it, it's interesting to me for a team that has been so steady on the field with their play outside of the fourth quarter against New Orleans. Um, you know, certainly this game is the biggest outlier so far, but for the team to be as steady as they are and for our kind of perception of them to be a little bit of a roller coaster. Maybe that speaks to how negative some of us were on the team coming in and pleasantly surprised. And then maybe we course corrected a lot in the other direction and we should have been somewhere more in the middle and cautiously optimistic. Um, but Absolutely. we're going to unpack that whole spectrum of, of feelings um, in today's episode right after this. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your gridiron betting needs this season. You'll find latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting and scores, free contests, and giveaways all season long. 
It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, once again, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. And guys, remember, bet online where the game starts. All right. Let, you mentioned Joe Burrow, and I, I just want to start there because he is by far the player of this game. Um, I texted you earlier uh, Sunday afternoon as I was running a few errands before the game, just kind of getting your thoughts. And, and you basically said, I don't feel good because Joe Burrow uh, is that dude. It's, and he yeah. certainly was. 34 of 42, 481 passing yards, yeah. three touchdowns and a Ugh. rushing touchdown. I mean, is this is this a case of the Falcons secondary certainly just being depleted and kind of even further depleted as the game went along? Is it that the Bengals offense has always been a little bit of a sleeping dragon that maybe just woke up at the worst possible time for Atlanta? Is it Joe Burrow? What is it for you in this game? Is it a combination of everything? It's uh, both. (laughs) Both. Both. Both those things are definitely true, and I don't think we would have played. I mean, we we showed um, last couple of games our defensive backs, you know, were making plays, interceptions, ended up uh, yeah. closing out games. We have a a fairly talented DB group, more talented than what we get credit for. But with all the injuries, I know it's next man up league, but the next man up is the next man up for a reason. And usually he doesn't have the same level of talent, and definitely doesn't have the same amount of time to practice throughout the week. So you get what you get. And Joe Burrow and that offense for the Bengals, they picked us apart because they knew that it takes a while to get in the rhythm. It takes a while to, you know, work well with your teammates. And they found guys to pick on, and they they picked on them. And that turned out to 400-plus yards uh, in in the air. And, you know, they they, they, uh, earned it fair and square. They, They beat us. They definitely did. And I mean, that was a big theme of the postgame press conferences, as you would assume, you know, it would be there. There's no way to yeah, explain sure something like this away. You just tip your hat. Right. And and yeah. you just say, look, they, they came out and kicked our ass as they rightfully did. I mean, the Falcons trailed from literally the opening possession of this game for the rest of the game. And even still, and this is mind boggling to me, yeah. trailing the whole game. The Falcons had fewer passing yards than Tyler Boyd or Jamar Chase had receiving yards in this game. 124 passing yards for the Falcons, 155 for Tyler Boyd, 130 for Jamar Chase. I mean, the defense certainly took its its lumps and losing A.J. Terrell really hurt. I think losing Mike Ford really hurt. Jalen Hawkins remained to be seen uh, kind of what his status will be moving forward. But Cornell Armstrong, I think, played admirably, if not necessarily super well. Um it was always going to be a tough task. What do you th- put? What are you more disappointed in, though? The the offensive performance in not being able to kind of continue in the second half what they were building at the end of the first half, or the defense just you know allowing thirty five points and pretty much whatever Cincinnati wanted to do. Yeah, um, I, I I'd say I was a little bit disappointed in our offense not getting Drake London and Kyle Pitts and the guys that we said, Hey, we beat the 49ers without even getting Kyle Pitts, you know, up and running. Imagine when he gets going. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine when he gets going. 
Imagine when he gets go. It's, it's just getting a little bit tired. Tiresome. My imagination isn't isn't that good, Obi. <laughs> exactly. You just <laughs> want Drake and Kyle to be used to the nth degree, and they're not. I think what uh, Drake had uh, uh, one catch, nine yards. One catch, nine yards. One catch, and Kyle Pitts. Uh, what what do he have? Three uh, catches for nine yards. Jesus, it's right? just not okay in any sense of the word to have those two rock stars to be begging for for touches for looks for for plays for you know attention i i just man i remember when again, back in my day when i used to play <laughs> i used to get so irritated when we wouldn't run the ball or if we decided to run the ball we went one back and then we end up losing the game it's fine if we win the game not, not fine like i'm a little irritated and annoyed at it if we lose the game i mean sorry if we win the game but if we lose and i know who i am as you know, one of the baddest men to play the position, you know, easily for the Falcons, and you know, one of the top couple in the league to ever play the game. I'm like, put me in the gosh darn game. Let me do what I do. I can destroy, you know, eviscerate, just you know, make them disappear. These linebackers, these defensive ends, and y'all want to go in there and play like you know, tricky whatever with tight ends and you know, and uh, uh big tailbacks doing all types of crazy fool. Let me play, and I would just be hot if we lost if we lost and i knew that i could have changed the game i would be so irritated and i had a couple of times where i had to go up to the, the oc even the head coach and say what are we doing what what am i what am i doing what, what am i doing wrong what do i need to do in practice to show you guys when it comes down to the line i can be a difference maker now drake london and kyle pitts both young both probably don't have the temperament to be as as forward as i was sometimes but they want to I'll say that right now. They they absolutely want to. And they're talking to their families. They're talking to their friends. I got a lot of people, more people talking to them and saying, yo, man, what's going on? You got to talk to coach, talk to the GM, talk to the OC, talk to somebody. Because yeah, 100%. One for nine and three for nine, Drake and Kyle Pitts, I get that our identity is a run game. And I love that identity is a run game. But when we're down, which we've been down a couple times, you got to have some of your explosive playmakers have the opportunity to make plays. It's one thing if we're throwing them and they're just dropping the ball, they're tipping it up for interceptions, and they're not running the right routes, and we gave them opportunities and they're just flaking on them. That's one thing. That's not happening because they're not getting an opportunity to let that happen. We only know that would happen. They may be amazing, and my bet is that both those guys are amazing. So that's what, as you can see, frustrates, annoys, irritates, and upsets me when I see the potential of our Falcons team and what we're actually doing. Yeah, I think it's really well said because it is very frustrating. And can you imagine the number of people in Kyle Pitts's life Jesus. hitting him up saying, dude, I, I drafted you in the second round of my fantasy league. What is happening? What is happening? And, you know, like that's that's ultimately besides the point, because Arthur Smith he has frankly said he doesn't care about your fantasy team. It's not his job to care about it. Like he's trying to win football games for some reason, you know, Maybe he believes, but like, it's not even that, right? Like they only threw the ball 13 times in this game and, and sure some penalties negated what would have been, you know, counting as pass plays. Some Marcus Mariota took off and ran because the, the pressure wasn't there, but by and large on the stat sheet, he threw the ball 13 times. They trailed this game from the jump. That's what I, I don't get. Yeah. You think like, that they were leading the whole time. It had to run the ball to run the clock out. No, it's the opposite. They were losing and right. still decided to, yeah, throw. Why would we throw? Who, who's throwing? We're not throwing. 
throw to, to Drake to Kyle Y. I don't get it. It it it. Mm-mm. This no. this was their best opportunity to to Air show. Okay, here's what we can do when we kind of take the training wheels off of of what could be a you know a Ferrari hopefully in the future. And instead, it was no. We're going to continue to go with our bread and butter. And, and kudos to the. It's very very hard in the NFL to actually have some form of identity in, yeah. in, like one way or the other. It's really, really hard to actually have something you can fall back on when the chips are down. And I commend them for at least having something that a lot of teams don't have the best teams in the league. The ones that truly, you know, when you get to the playoffs, it's about what you can kind of fall back on. But even more than that, it's, you know, winning when you're, when that's taken away and, and doing all the things that good teams really can do. And that's when you get to the next level, but to kind yeah. of even make the playoffs, having a core identity is, is better than most teams have. And I do commend the Falcons. It's just that this is maybe the weakest version of that aspect of your team. A run game is great. If you can do things around it, if you can take advantage of what the run game affords you, which should be, you know, much uh, weaker coverages. It's going to be much heavier boxes. Then you can hit those explosives behind them. But if the Falcons are throwing the ball to Drake London one time, you know, I, like I don't, I don't get how those two things are are married. And they didn't get to run that many plays. But yeah, I, I agree with you in that the offense sh- should maybe be the bigger concern. Maybe long term, it's the secondary and, and the status of how that affects the defense. But the offense looked great last week. Everything was clicking. This week, you know, everything not necessarily fell apart, but it, it looked bad. Yeah, it looked bad and it felt bad. And um, again, I, it, it's two sides of a coin. Extremely impressed. Um, they can put together 16 play drives, take 10 minutes off the ball, you know, uh, and get um, get into the end zone, get in scoring position. That's wonderful if you're up. You know, or or, or if, you're, <laughs> sorry, if you're not down by several touchdowns, I know that this talent that we have found this this special thing that I mean identity will be extremely useful in future games, yep. uh, even in future years. As Arthur Smith shows, you know, the Falcons players, the team, the league, this is who I can be. And you for, people forget where he came from. He came from a place where they ran the dang ball. Again, they had a monster at running back, but that was our identity. So I, I love the fact because last year, year before, a couple years after that, we were just yelling at how we couldn't find a running back or a running game. I won't say running back because outside of Cordero Patterson, even his absence, we've been able to do amazing things. So it just shows that a large part of that, Thanks. The kudos needs to go to the offensive coordinator. It needs to go to the offensive line. It needs to go to the the mentality. Whatever they did during minicamp, they've yeah. changed the culture of the run game, and it's absolutely beautiful. I, I love it. Uh, almost so much to where I I can let the, the the Drake and Kyle stuff slide because I feel like this is something that can last. You know, Drake gets hurt, Kyle yes. gets hurt. That might you know hurt our chances of being as, as dynamic, but having anybody be able to plug in at RB and having an offensive line that now gets it and have, have turned into that a nasty group that I've been begging for for years. That's something that is, I, I think, lasting. So it's, it's you know, trying to 
take a breath, take a step back, take a, you know, thousand foot view of, of what's going on here and realize that this game uh, sucked. Uh, this game uh, <laughs> didn't go the way we wanted to. This game was hard to watch at times, but we had enough positive things that if we never got so hyped up and excited after after last year's, I'm sorry, last game's win, we would just say foundation is continuing to be laid. It's, it's, it's being it's being laid. Uh, that brick, those bricks are being put put up. We're setting up something great, and uh, meh, I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, this isn't a perfect analogy, but I think the the point that you're making is is spot on because I think about this a lot like in 2011, 2012, 2013, the Braves, and now they were kind of building this, what looked to be a really future, huge window, frankly, kind of where they've been the last few years. We thought that was going to happen at, at kind of the beginning of the decade, but when it became apparent that that wasn't going to be the case, Craig Kimbrell was one of the first big trade pieces that that kind of his name got out there. And I hated that because Craig Kimbrell was so much fun to have back when he was just starting. And really, you kind of think about it in those terms, like Kyle pitched Drake London. They're not luxuries to that degree. And that's why it's not a perfect analogy. But the long term success of this team is going to be benefited much more greatly by the development of a sustainable and week to week efficient run game that you can truly rely on like week in and week out. Then it will be like having a a hundred hundred yard outing by Kyle Pitts or, you know, 85 yards and a touchdown by Drake London in what ultimately could still be a a double digit loss. Um, And so like that, that's where I don't want to necessarily crush them too much for, because they did show that they can stick to the run and kind of claw their way back into this game. I mean, yeah. they were down one score going into halftime. It's not like the the early start that the Bengals got on the Falcons totally took them out and they were never able to recover. They were. It's just in the second half, and this is when I talk about kind of the identity of this team being the run game, but there's a secret hidden identity for this team where if you've been listening to this podcast over the recent weeks, you may you know have heard us talk about it, but it's their success on early downs. First down in particular, they are one of the best teams in the NFL in dictating terms on first down, which then sets you up to do what you want to do for second and third down. And it just gives you a huge advantage. Arthur Smith said, so after the game, you know, the Bengals defense did a great job getting them off sync on first down in the second half. So I went back and charted it. The Falcons had seven first down plays in the second half, which that's another thing. Insanely number or insanely kind of few plays that the Falcons ran. They only had 13 first downs in the entire game. Cincinnati had 29. So they more than doubled uh, the number of first downs, but seven of those came in the second half. Four of those first down plays went for two or fewer yards. Uh, And it was either, I think one was an incomplete pass. The other three were runs Two went for a negative uh, kind of a loss. And then one, I think was a one yard gain. But when you're doing that, you're already behind the eight ball and it makes it so much harder to come back. And so it wasn't necessarily that they couldn't throw the ball they got their ass kicked on first down in the second half. And, and that's kind of yeah. where it all stemmed from. Could you feel that Ovi is like a former player? Could you kind of sense that, Oh, you know, the Bengals are are winning here early whenever the Falcons get the ball on offense. No, we, we call staying ahead of the chains. Staying mm-hmm. ahead of the change was so important because it just opened up the playbook so much more and didn't put you into a corner where the defense knew, all right, <laughs> it's uh you know second and eight or or third yeah. and seven. We know that they can only do this much out of their playbook. We watch their film. We have enough games now to to use as uh, a benchmark, and they're only going to do so much. And now they're in that formation, they only going to do so so much. So we had, <laughs> we had five plays they can run, 
And four of those five players are going to be to the left side. So we're going to kind of shift over here. Like, it makes it so much harder. The worst thing, it, it kind of makes your stomach sink sometimes when you see the defense calling out your plays. When you see yeah. them pointing in the direction you're going. And sometimes that was my fault because I had this tendency, <laughs> I found out later, that I used to look the way I was going. I, tried, I, I, I look left, look right, look left. I tried to do that. Uh. But then my eyes would just dart over and dart over to see because I'm running that direction. I want to see who the heck's over there and get the count. Bad make Ovi. sure I get the right guy. So, you know, <laughs> I was told later on by some of my guys, Takiel Spikes, was like, man, Ovi, we used to know every time y'all was running left, <laughs> running right because we just watched your eye. I told him. I was oh like, my you God. Know, come on, man. We had the same agent. So he used to, you know, give me some encouragement in my early years. But, um, but no, uh, uh, the, the Falcons are the team that, has to stay ahead of the downs like being a, a younger team or a, a team that's already um have really thin margins for mistakes they, they, they we don't have the overwhelming talent to where we can make a bunch of mistakes and then claw back mm-hmm. we can't beat ourselves we have to take advantage of the wins that we have and not staying ahead of the chains not getting at least a couple of yards that first down second down makes the whole thing much harder yeah, you talk about not beating themselves. Uh, I don't think the Falcons actually really did that to a big degree today. Like, it wasn't a very ugly game on their part. They only had three penalties. They didn't have any turnovers. Like, it wasn't ugly in that sense. It was just a good old-fashioned butt-whooping, right? I mean, like, they just that's got the they just got beat. And that's kind of what Arthur Smith said after the game was, it's a good thing this only counts as one loss. And we just <laughs> got to gotta take it yep. as an L go home, figure out what went wrong and, and kind of get back to work. And fortunately, the Panthers are up next. It'll be really easy to flush this from their system. It's an AFC but, game. Like, yeah, yes, what? yes. But how I, it worries me that they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if the Bucs are that bad or the Panthers are starting to get good. I didn't yeah. watch the game. I just saw at the end of the day, what? The, <laughs> the Panthers? What, uh, who's the, was Baker the quarterback? The, the Panthers beat? Tom Brady, this doesn't even sound right. So now playing them, I have to like go like watch the game or figure out the highlights. What the heck happened? Do we have something to be worried about? That was a W in my in my column, and I, I don't I don't like um, you know not knowing what's going on. So who yeah, knows? I didn't. I mean, I I didn't see a ton of that game to be honest. Tampa Bay only had forty six rushing yards. I'm just looking at the uh, the box score here. I mean, twenty one to three. That's no joke. But every game in the NFL is is different, and I think that this was just. This was one of the worst matchups for Atlanta. Like this is a bad on paper matchup for a team yeah. that came in pretty banged up in the secondary. Uh, didn't really have the firepower if this turned into a shootout, which the Bengals are much more than capable of playing. In fact, that's like the way they like to play. They never go under center. They're constantly in like four wide receiver sets. Like these Five guys wide, want wide, to yeah, push yeah. the ball down the field and they did it early and often. So, you know, I think that, it was uh, unfortunate that the Falcons couldn't find a way offensively to stick with it in the second half to make this a more entertaining game because it was shaping up to be, I think, one of the games of the afternoon until Cincinnati kind of put them away in the second half. But let's flip over and talk about the defense. I mentioned the secondary. One last thing. One last thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got I to do this. With, and I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, but, and I feel bad about being this guy, but... We got to kind of talk about it again. With, oh, don't do this, Obi. With, with, with Marcus Mariota oh. having uh, a whatever, so-so, only getting it to Drake and Kyle. You know his, his quarterback rating is 118 from this game? 
Desmond Ritter has been on the wavelengths of the Twitters and the Facebooks and yeah. the Instas, and, and people are still talking about him. And they, they shut the heck up after last game. But now they're, they're talking again. They're just saying, hey, if we're going to be like this so-so team, why not ride with Ritter? And ride with Ritter well, was and let's, and let's not beat around the bush either. Like this week, this game against Carolina was circled as the before the season, the first seven games are hard as hell. You throw Marcus Mariota out there to be the sacrificial lamb. You say, thank you for your service after seven games. And then it is Desmond Ritter's time. I don't get the sense that they're going to do that. It's not not like Marcus Mariota was the sole, like everybody played poorly on this team today, except for Demir Bird. Shout out Demir Bird. Uh, I'd love for him to have more than one catch on the season. That that? was fun. Uh, (laughs) But, but yeah, it's, it's not like I, I think Marcus Mariota's limitations at this point are very well known. I don't think he's going to suddenly turn into Joe Burrow. Um, But I think that Ritter might not Ritter might Ritter might, but I need, if the Falcons lose, if the Falcons lose three more games before they win two more, then I'm ready to put Desmond Ritter in. So if, if the Falcons are sitting at four and seven, uh, I'm ready then at that point, if, if they're, you know, if they're at three and, and seven, you know, like I'm at that point, that point. So I guess like I'm getting closer. I'm not there yet because I think that there's some winnable games ahead for Atlanta. And I think the run game at least is, has proven to be, if not elite, very, very good with Marcus Mariota behind center. You're right. You're right. I just wanted to be, uh, you know, that guy. But no, <laughs> no I don't it's, think they should. Yeah, I don't think they should. I don't think they will. But it's just the conversations have being had again. And then all the people who are like, I love Marcus. What was I thinking about Desmond Ritter? <laughs> now, like, we want Desmond. We want to calm down, guys. Let's not, you know, have that short term memory. But uh, on to the defense because they played amazing. And I love watching Grady Jarrett and the defense. And uh, amazing. Ovi, they played amazing. Is that? No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. The defensive line. I'm, I'm watching the, the big boys, and I wa- I, I had to you know be on and off. But I, the the times I watched and watched the way three sacks, right? Two sacks, three sacks, three sacks. Yeah, yeah. And so we weren't getting any sacks. Like, come come on now, we weren't getting any sacks last year, the year before, year after. We were begging for sacks. We were begging for pressure. Joe Burrow ate up that defensive backfield. We know that, but against the run against uh, uh or, or get, getting to the quarterback i was pleasantly surprised i thought we might have some of the fight knocked out of us and i thought you know this is going to just get really 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 ugly three four five touchdown uh, losses but i think our defensive line and some of our linebackers kept us in this uh in a decent uh way and you know what's crazy i saw grady jarrett and it's one of the times where i walked back in front of the tv the same tackle he did to Tom Brady. He rolled over up and, and threw Joe Burrow in the same way. They didn't call anything. They didn't yeah. call, they called nothing. Of course and, not. And, and you shouldn't call anything because you can't let him go. He'll get up and run away. It's such a bull crap that that happened before. But anyways, I'm, I'm getting off track. I loved what we did up front. You're right. Amazing is strong for our defensive back getting shredded for 400 plus yards. But I just think that the same way that we're establishing the run game on offense and showing that this could be something that could be used for years past, we're establishing pressure. We're establishing making quarterbacks feel slightly uncomfortable. We're, we're establishing the fact that we can get to the QB, which wasn't established in years past. So that is something I think we could build on 
that's our little bricks on defense that we're out here laying down, putting some cement, laying another brick. I love that. And it's happening with some couple of young guys yeah. that could, could be here for a while on some cheap contracts so we can, you know, spend money and get you know, a big splash monster at, at DE. I, I say Aaron Donald, whatever it's cost to, to get him over here, get him. But, you know, anyone Aaron Donald like, we can get some proven monster to come with our guy. I mean, like Dwight Freeney, not that the Vic Beasley Dwight Freeney combination needs to be recreated, but something like that. Get a veteran and get some young guys that are are hungry, like, you know, Ebicati, Ketty, whatever. Uh, and, and some of these other uh, uh, d- defensive ends that I think have promise. That's what made me happy. I had to find, you know, bright spots. Somewhere yeah, like- no, I mean, I, I definitely think that the pass rush was good, to be clear. So th- this was it. I know, I know what you meant. Amazing. And then you want Aaron Donald. That's your wish list. Is, <laughs> yeah. is Aaron? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. All right. We're on the same page. I too would like Aaron Donald. Um, good. Cool. Glad we cleared that up. Good, um, I no, I think I think the pass rush is definitely proving to be better than we all expected. I think the offensive line and the defensive line play have been clear, clear improvements from the expectations going into the season. And honestly, if nothing else, if you told me that that one thing was going to happen in 2022, I may have taken it because like that is so important to success long term in the NFL. The best teams Usually, I mean, it's a cliche, but it does start in the trenches. Yeah. And because of so many things, I mean, not just the tone that it sets, it's really hard for elements and and like outside factors to impact five guys together as a unit. And when you have cohesion and stuff, players can pick each other up. You can cover for weaknesses in certain ways. Like it, the, the benefit of playing well in the trenches is just so much greater than than something else. But I, you know, I still wonder, is it consistent enough? Yes. I think Grady is a player who can turn it on on big downs. If it's a third and seven late in the game, my eyes immediately go to number 97. Cause I know that he's got something up his sleeve that he's going to give to one of those interior offensive linemen to yep. give himself the best shot. Like it's so much fun to watch him in clutch moments. And that's why he is so clutch four and a half sacks so far on the season. I mean, he has been awesome, but you mentioned the younger guys. I mean, D'Angelo Malone gets his first sack. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, I think almost killed Joe Burrow, just like flying in. They both surprised each other, I think a little bit, but it's good to see him because I think he's played pretty well. Um, But yeah, I mean, by and large, like I think Arnold Ebicady is, is played. He's been, he's looked amazing. He's looked lights out at times. And then today he kind of disappeared and didn't make as, as much of an impact. Um, Troy Anderson, Troy Tracker, he continues to look uh, look great. I wasn't totally down on the defense the way I thought that they would be after giving up 537 yards and, you know, 35 points. Like, they did get absolutely crushed, but I, I again, I feel like they did enough to at least allow Atlanta the opportunity to come back. And so for that reason, I feel like they kind of held serve enough times to give the offense a chance again. And then the offense kind of let him down. I feel like that's where I'm settling on, on this game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it just, I mean, the offense There's just no didn't good have, spin. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a way to look at it, but the defense say they deserve just as much, you know, I think uh, blame as the offense, the offense did let them down, but the defense let them down too, but they let them down because they had, backups of backups yeah it's so hard backfield trying to 
you know, act like starters. And have you ever been in a game like that before where like yeah. just a whole position group goes to, and you're like, Oh, worst. this guy who I don't even know his name, but like he's out there now and our game kind of comes down to him. Like, has that ever happened to you? Yes. Uh, one time I think it was uh, actually in Baltimore uh, with the Ravens. We had a tight end playing uh, a tackle because like left tackle went down, right tackle went down, left tackle mm. back went down, right tackle back. Uh, we were no tackles. And I had to play um, they had a tight end and a fullback on the line. I don't like being on the line of scrimmage. Like I, I like getting the running start for whatever I do. Being on the line of scrimmage, and I was 250, 255, and blocking a 290-pound defensive end, it's one that might get oh a running gosh. start. But yeah. it was just like I got thrown out like a rag doll. Like I would try to, to fire off, and they were just – arms were longer, and they were bigger. I couldn't get no momentum. And it was crazy. And I – I was like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I think uh, one of the games that happened, we didn't get decimated, but uh, it was against the Giants, and I was blocking Michael Strahan. I remember that they had me shift to on the offensive, on the line of scrimmage. And so Mike's just there breathing down on me with his Hall of Fame behind, just, just sitting there being amazing. Hey, when that happens. Figure. And then I hear Seth Hutt, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to just try my best, just holding on, you know, put grooves in the dirt, just getting pushed back. There you go. It, it's 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 terrifying when you know that we don't have the guys, we don't have the men, and you're like, let's just try to survive and get out. If you got to lead, great, just hold on. If you don't, you already know it's going to be hard to win this one. That was the Falcons, like with their DBs decimated and watching them go out one after another after another. They were just like, it's going to be a long game. And it it was. It was a long, ugly game in the defensive backfield. Yeah, it it really was. And so, you know, again, I want to rely on your perspective as a player here. And, and we're going to get out of here in one minute. But as the Falcons try to turn the page and they've said, you know, we got to put this one behind us, just learn from it. One loss, all that good stuff. Is it easier to turn the page after a just like a true butt whooping like this or... Is it harder? Because I, you know, I could imagine that if if I was a player and there was truly like it feels like one or two plays late in the game where it came down to that maybe made the difference, you'd be replaying those plays over and over and over in your head. And on a game like this, I imagine that there's probably too many plays to replay in your head specifically that like led to this loss here because there were just so many of them. What what is a player is is easier to get over, or are they all just losses and they all suck and they're all hard to get over? Man, that's a great question because uh, I have a argument for both. But I think when you get um, just completely um, decimated, that's when you're like, you know what? Everyone made mistakes. Everyone had things that went wrong. Let's just move on. But if you have that one play, that you know, <laughs> yeah. one score game, that one play where the defender messed up or the running back fumble or the quarterback threw an interception, you're just like, ah, oh, come on. We right. were so close. We busted our behind. We did everything right. It was that one play that messed up you. It's your fault. Kicker <laughs> wide left or, you know, DB who dropped an interception. And it's just even if you didn't make the mistake, but especially if you made a mistake, but you're just – irritated like do your job you're in the nfl that's something the high school player can do it's just pitch and catch the do all those things come up and you're just angsty and, and, and you know irritated but if it's just like everybody made mistakes everyone you know, offensive tackle didn't block their guy got the quarterback hit and he fumbled. if it's just a, a string of mistakes everyone's like all right 
I don't know what was in the water, but <laughs> we're turning the page. Everybody's turning the page. We're going to get back on that flight. We're going to start start a new next week. Get ready for the new game. Let's flush it down the toilet. So I, I have to say, even though it can be close, uh, getting blown out is a lot easier for for the Falcons or anybody to learn how to just move on to the next one. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember there was one time in high school, and again, my experience pales in comparison to yours, which is why I love relying on yours. But there was a game where we essentially lost it like forty-seven and three or something. It was high school football, and and again, our coach, I think, the next morning was like, "Look, we're not even going to watch this tape." There's nothing for us to learn from this tape. <laughs> you guys were so bad. We're like, turn the page, go to sleep, forget about it. Let's move on. I know that they can't do this because it's their job. Like they literally need to look and figure out what they can do to get better. But uh, like mentally, I would probably take the same approach. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't 49 to three or whatever that was in high school. But this is that equivalent. Turn the page. You got Carolina. And so let's end on this note. The NFC South. You mentioned Tampa Bay losing to this Carolina team that Atlanta will see in week eight. But that means that at three and four, the Falcons are still technically tied atop the division, although tiebreaker purposes, they're in second. Um, But they're still in the mix here. And the NFC is kind of wide open still at this point in the season. I think there's a much more clear hierarchy in the AFC. The Falcons, you know, they're not coming off of a great performance today, but they're still definitely in the mix here with a much more, uh, it seems like, friendlier schedule ahead of them. Does this change your feelings at all for what the Falcons can do? And how heartening is it that the NFC South looks like it's off to a just a horrible start so far in 2022? <laughs> I guess it is heartening that uh, our, uh, you know. They're all bad. Sucks. We're all bad, bad man. Um, <laughs> and I, I still, and I don't want to be um, over optimistic, but the last game made me that way. And I guess the solid foundational uh, achievements that we have from the defensive line, offensive line, make me feel this way. I feel like we could sneak to a wild card spot. I feel like that's mm-hmm. not something that, that's beyond what the Falcons can do. And I, and I always uh, say I shouldn't have expectations because then I get my feelings hurt. But <laughs> I'm happy expectations for these Falcons. Hopefully they don't hurt my feelings. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Marcus Mariota – we know who he is. We know, you know what he offers, and he can be good, he can be bad, but he can hold the line and allow the rest of the team to do what they do. I think we have enough to uh, win more games than we lose. I agree because, just like I said, I you know I don't necessarily fault the Falcons for being a team that's going to kind of go not in their turtle shell, but like that's the turtles' instinct when it is threatened. It it goes into the shell. It does what it does best. The Falcons, when they're threatened, they go to the run game. And for as much as that can probably be frustrating when you're sitting there on the couch being like, they are down two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Yeah. What Why are, are you doing? running for two yards? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why is it another one yard run on first down? But like they just don't look at it that way because this is their best chance, I think, to succeed. And because they truly do have something great, one element of their game that is great that they can rely upon, that is going to get you more wins than not in the NFL because so many teams don't have something like that or can't stop something over and over again that is working to the level of Atlanta's run game. They're going to get you. They're, they got Cincinnati today a few times. They just didn't do it consistently enough. And so, yeah, I think Atlanta is going to be able to beat some of these easier teams on their schedule. I mean, S- S- Seattle is looking like 
a pretty strong team in the NFC right now. The Falcons beat them on the road. So like this is still a team capable of, of beating some teams. They've been in every single game except for this one. But luckily, this one matters the least of all because it's an AFC game and they're not going to see Cincinnati for four more years. So good riddance to them. Um, good riddance to this podcast. We're going to get out of here, Ovi, um, and enjoy the rest of our Sunday evenings. But before uh, I dismiss us, do you have anything else you want to add? No, Game of Thrones better be good tonight. Uh, it's, it's an episode <laughs> that a lot of crazy things are going on. So I'm going to watch it with the wife and and uh, enjoy my evening. My wife is uh, currently watching it right next door. So I can kind of hear some of it through ah. the, the the headphones coming What's in. What's the way for you, man? I know she she's got a she's got an early bedtime earlier than Uh, me. So I'm going to edit this and uh, watch at the same time, which I am very much looking forward to. So let me get us out of here. Please follow Ovi and I on Twitter at Ovi Mihaly 34 at Will McFadden. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, praises for the show, shoot us a note. uh, Believe in Falcons at gmail.com or fire me line on Twitter. Just DM me. Uh, Please like subscribe, rate, review. Let everybody know where they can find us. Follow along uh, throughout the season. Today's podcast, as always, was presented by Bet Online. Not the result that Atlanta wanted, but they're turning the page, and we will as well. So, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, tune in later on this week for a preview of the Carolina Panthers game in week eight. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.